Are you a CEO or sales leader with little or no time to coach your sales development team? Or is your expertise in areas other than sales? At eXp, we exist to help your sales development team to increase pipeline and grow your company exponentially. We dive into the trenches with sales individuals within your organization to coach them through the discomfort and excitement of cold calls and help them fully utilize the sales technology tools you have invested in. For more information on how eXp can help grow your organization, visit the website found in the bio. Exceptional coaching enables exceptional potential. Super excited to share this interview with Evan Carlton, Sales Enablement Manager at Matillion. We've had someone from Matillion on the podcast before, but this interview really shares more insight into the culture of that business and, and the journey that they're on. But I'm hoping that you'll find a ton of value in this conversation about what you should be thinking about when you're looking for a new job, what good looks like when you're looking at company culture and onboarding processes, and just a fascinating discussion on the way that this guy thinks about his career and, and the role that he's in. Enjoy the show. All right, Evan, really great to be with you today. Um, absolute pleasure to have you on the Sales E-Experience podcast. Um, I'd love it if you could start by just telling us a bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, great having you, John. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, so Evan Carlton, I uh, am Sales Enablement Manager here at Battalion. been with Battalion for just short of two years now. Uh, previously, I was leading our sales development organization globally, uh, scaled our team from the ground up, and prior to that was an SDR myself at NetApp, uh, and before that, an account manager at CenturyLink. So I've uh, worn a few hats in, in, the, in the B2B technology sales sphere. Absolutely. So tell us a bit about what a sales enable manager, enablement manager does. Like, what do you do day-to-day in your role? Yeah, so um, I think sales enablement is, a, is becoming an increasingly uh, important role that more businesses and more, more sales orgs are realizing. Uh, high level, right, sales enablement is here to enable sales, pretty straightforward. But what does that mean? Um, removing blockers, uh, removing roadblocks, challenges, ensuring our sales team is as effective and um, dangerous as possible. So that involves everything from uh, training and onboarding, ongoing coaching and mentorship, keeping that sharp, that uh, saw sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do a lot of um, process and workflow documentation, um, ongoing coaching and mentorship, role play sessions, um, a lot of training sessions, lunch and learns, all sorts of stuff, as well as like system administration, tool management, and evaluation, recruiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we still wear a lot of hats. <laughs> Yeah, quite a, quite a lot of things. And I guess based on your background and some of those roles you've had in the past, a lot of them have helped prepare you for this role. Um, but I guess I'd love to understand kind of how you've ended up taking that path. What kind of happened, you know, went to college? What what did that journey look like from your perspective? Yeah, um, so I actually started my career in, in the tech sector in college as, as a global system integrator marketing intern for NetApp in, in the Silicon Valley, um, where I was supporting their, their marketing team specifically around the GSI community. Um, and I was working closely with, with the sales org there. And th- while, while I enjoyed that role, a lot of people I worked with told me that based on my skill set and just demeanor, I really ought to be in sales. Mm. Um, and the more interaction I had with the sales team there, the more sure I became of that. Um, <laughs> so after graduating from CU Boulder in 2014, um, I actually spent about five years working in the music industry, which was a lot of fun, oh, wow. but um, it was difficult to pay the bills. And uh, after some time, I made the decision that I, I wanted to transition into a career in technology sales. So I um, uh, transitioned to a role as an account manager at CenturyLink, which is a um, telecommunications uh, firm. Uh, internet service provider in North America. Uh, did that for about a year. Uh, learned a lot during that time. Not gonna lie, it was um, pretty pretty challenging. Um, but learned a tremendous amount during that time, and that really prepared me for uh, a, a career then in, in B2B tech sales. Uh, transitioned to a sales development rep role at NetApp in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, very quickly uh, picked up there and. and uh, went on to become one of the, one of the top performing STRs in the Americas. Uh, 
um, hit my number for the year in the first week of Q3. Um, oh. So that was, uh, you can imagine there were some great multipliers on that. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I, I did quite well there and got some, again, great exposure working with really large companies, working with um, some of the top and most experienced salespeople at NetApp. So learned a tremendous amount from them. And uh, was actually on, on track to move into an account executive mm-hmm. or uh, management role at NetApp. I was very happy, but uh, a, a recruiter uh, reached out to me on behalf of Matillion. And the more I learned about the opportunity, uh, the more intrigued I became. Uh, they, were, they were looking for someone to uh, architect and then scale their global SDR program, building it from the ground up. It was an opportunity to really put my stamp on something and um, to, to build something that could be uniquely my own. And uh, yeah, the, the more I learned about Matillion, the more excited I became and uh, had a phone call with uh, the VP of sales. And a few days later, was on a flight to the UK. Here we are almost two years later. Very nice, so. very nice. So there's a couple of things I want to drill into there. You mentioned how uh, while you were an intern for marketing, mm-hmm. it was other people that kind of observed your skills and your interests and made the connection to you going into sales. So tell me a bit more about kind of how, what it was that impacted your decision to kind of shift there. Yeah. Um, I guess I like to be hands-on. I, I don't like being an observer. I, I like to, to um, I, I had a background in athletics growing up, played mm-hmm. a lot of sports, and I always wanted to be in the game. I didn't like being on the sideline. I, I wanted to be on the field, on, on the court, making an impact. And I think it's also exciting being directly involved in driving the engine right for the company mm-hmm. and that's that's really what sales is there to do is to drive mm-hmm. revenue and you know without revenue the, the business shutters um so it's it's a in a lot of ways a very gratifying uh function and role so that was a lot of what i was doing in that role was tracking the efficacy of, of various marketing campaigns and and how they were converting bottom of funnel with the sales org and the gsi team um and i was looking at these reps that are closing massive deals, multi-million dollar <laughs> deals. And I'm thinking, man, that's, that's awesome. These guys are having a huge impact on driving the business forward. I want to be a part of that. That's cool. Um, so I talked about not liking to be an observer. It's literally what I was doing there. Absolutely. And so I, I kept asking my manager, how do I, I want to go do that. <laughs> and sure enough, she agreed. Yeah, I think, I think you'd do great in sales and um, haven't looked back. So Awesome. And then in, in kind of recent times, you've made that or not even recent times, a couple of years ago now, made that shift from being an individual contributor to a manager. Obviously, I'd love to spend a bit of time talking about Matillion and and the business and the the trajectory they're on. But what was it about the manager role that made you kind of shift from that individual contributor to manager? Yeah. Um, Well, so when I was an SDR at NetApp, um, because of how how well I was doing in the role, I was was frequently asked to help mentor new hires Mm -hmm. and... Um, by the end of my time there, I was I was um, helping my manager with interviewing candidates. Um, I was responsible for for mentoring and coaching all the summer sales interns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was mentoring all our new hires in the SDR program in the Americas. Um, was was very engaged in a lot of training. When I look back on it, you know, I was writing call scripts for the team. I was writing email templates um, involved in the interview process, training and mentoring other team members a lot of things that management does um, while continuing to carry a quota. So it was really, in some ways, like an unofficial player coach. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of things that I saw other reps doing that um, I I knew we could do different or or felt we could could improve Mm -hmm. and was never in a position where I could say, okay, this is how it's done. I could say, hey, this is how I do it. And I suggest you consider it, right? But, um, <laughs> uh, was never in a position where I could really outline and define that process. Yeah. Um, so it was really exciting when I when I was given this opportunity. Um, blank check is not the right word, but it was just it was it was an a blank piece of paper. Mm-hmm. There there was no SDR organization. Um, I was reporting straight to the VP of Sales here in the UK, and uh, uh, Christian, our VP of Sales, quite literally told me. Um, Mate, you know, you, you tell me what your vision is. We're going to support you. You tell me what you need. So I, I was able to take all of my best practices and processes, tools, ways of, of being an effective SDR and build our organization and process around that model that I created for myself. 
and that's something I still do today in, in my current role as a sales enablement manager. Um, just this morning, helping our inside sales reps and SDRs build out lead and contact views in Salesforce so they can more efficiently get through their, their pipeline of inbound leads, get them disposition and sequence. So um, I, I kind of nerd out on, on some of those things. So Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's dive into that a little bit. So what, what does that process look like when you get somebody new joining your team here at Matillion? How do you kind of help them onboard, you know, whether they come in with a ton of experience, a little bit of experience, how do you kind of build that process to help them be successful? Yeah, so um, when I was in college, I was actually a TA for, for a couple of courses, and um, uh, I, I don't consider myself to be a, a, a teacher, right? But um, I try to, to work on that. And so I actually approach our onboarding program as a course, and I put together a syllabus that I share with everyone ahead of time. Uh, where we break down day by day. Here's what we're covering, kind of like on a college syllabus. Hey, here's what we're doing this week. And by, by this part of the semester, you'll be able to do this, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. So um, I try to have it as well defined up front as possible. And I'm really big on this concept of foundational learning. So we start with the basics at the very beginning. Hey, you know, what is what does it mean to be uh, a sales development rep, an, an inside sales rep? Uh, uh, I'm also really big on I guess you'd say mentality and, and thought process. So a uh, little shout out to my, to my boy, Jeremy at Lead IQ. He wrote a great article, uh, The Mindset of a High-Performing SDR, which I share day one with every single new hire we have. Mm-hmm. And the biggest, the biggest thing there is that a lot of salespeople view themselves as in some way, shape, or form inferior to their prospect. You know, often inside sales reps or SDRs or early in their career, you're selling to director level and up, people who've been doing this for decades. And so it's easy to fall into this trap mentally of, you know, I'm, I'm just an SDR and this, you know, beneath this VP or director somehow. But I preach from day one, we're sales professionals. We represent a great brand and a great product. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Um, in fact, you should be proud of what you do. Mm-hmm. So um, starting with that concept of foundational learning, getting the mindset set from day one and getting that kind of cultural shift uh, in mind for people. And then from there, we're really big on on investing heavily in people's success. We have really high standards for who we hire, but then from there we invest really heavily in their success, both in terms of uh, uh, initial onboarding, but then ongoing coaching and development. Uh, I, th- I think it's what's in a lot of ways contributed to our, our um, retention rate. It's something I'm really mm-hmm. proud of actually, um, have never fired or had someone even leave the SDR or ISR organization voluntarily. Oh, wow. Every single person we've ever hired in the org has stayed or been promoted. That's incredible. And just for a bit of context, what's the, what's the scale of that team at the moment? Yeah, so it's hard to keep track. We just, we just hired uh, six new people this month in the Denver office. So we are about 20 strong globally now oh my goodness. Uh, between uh, uh, the director of inside sales and sales development, Joey Zunis, uh, myself, our inside sales team, and our sales development team. Uh, it's crazy to think that just just short of two years ago, it was just me. Yeah. <laughs> Come yeah. a long ways. And, and for, a, for a type of team that typically will have such high turnover rates, it, that's, that's something to be very proud of um, and, and clearly is evidenced. Oh, evidence of the quality of that kind of onboarding and, and coaching yep. uh, plan that you, you do with them. Yep. So I guess uh, thinking about the kind of the journey that you've been on with that team, there's a lot in there about kind of scale and building a team and, and I guess hiring, right? That's that's probably the the activity that you've spent the most time on to, to go from a team of one to a team of 20 mm-hmm. um, and, and still growing. So tell me a bit about as somebody who is a, a former SDR manager, somebody that, that invests a lot in that process. Tell me a bit about what that process looks like at Matillion and then what are some of the things that kind of you've, you've learned from that process and things that you, you look for? Yeah, um, yeah, I've certainly put a, a lot of time in uh, in terms of recruiting and, and interviewing. So um, I've, I've probably had, probably conducted 100 plus phone screens easily now uh, for, for SDR roles. So, um, yeah, I mean, something that we're, we're really big on, um, and I think is, is also a reflection of that retention rate, is I've always been a big believer in hiring really good people instead of saying, hey, let's hire five mediocre people and pay them a mediocre wage. 
why don't we hire one or two really good people and pay them well and invest heavily in their success? The output of those individuals is going to far outweigh anything those five mediocre folks could do. And so um, because of that, like I mentioned, I have really high hiring standards, but um, you couple really high hiring standards, ensuring people have the same values and culture that we live here at Matillion, and then also investing heavily in their success while representing a company that's a great product. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a recipe for success. So things I look for, um, the, three, the three things that I cannot teach, that no one can teach, mm-hmm. they're the intangibles that you just have to have. So first off, um, you have to have that will to win, um, that, that, that desire, that hunger to be successful. Um, you have to be motivated uh, and you have to have a, a, a certain intelligence and sharpness about you. Um, I can't, I can't make someone an intelligent, sharp person, right? Mm-hmm. I can teach someone all sorts of concepts, but you have to, you have to have that yourself. Um, and then last, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is just the willing to, willing to get your hands dirty, roll up your sleeves and put in the hard work when you need to. Um, sales is not, there's, there's good months and there's tough months. Um, it's not always going to be good, mm-hmm. but having that tenacity is really important. But uh, the, the biggest thing, if I had to give advice to, to candidates, don't spray and pray when you apply. I see, I remember when I was early in my career, I wish I knew some of these things. I would <laughs> go online, I'd go on LinkedIn, I'd go on Monster, on, on Indeed, jobs.com, and I would just be clicking apply on so many jobs and not customizing my resume or my CV. And in retrospect, now being on the other side of the table, it's so important to be selective where you apply and then be very thoughtful in that application. That'll make you stand out so much more mm-hmm. than just giving a blanket generic application to a bunch of companies. Uh, and so some of my best conversations and interviews are always with the folks that do the most research and come prepared. The more, the more preparation you can do on the company, the better. And obviously the more companies you're applying to, the less time you have to actually customize your, your preparation. Yeah, I guess it's, it's about improving that conversion rate of, of yeah. resume sent or CV sent to screening call, screening call to first interview, first interview yeah. to final interview, and then final interview to job offers. And in in exactly the same way as you would try and build a prospecting process as an SDR. I was say, it sounds like you're talking about sales development. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. It's, it's exactly the same, Very right? Very similar in a lot of ways. Um, and I, and I, guess, I guess what I'm quite interested in is how from that first stage, so you get a CV or a resume across your desk or across your screen, most likely these days. What, how do you work out some of those things at that point? You know, a lot of people talk about how the CV is dead, like look at my LinkedIn profile, but I'm not quite sure I'm fully in that boat, but how do you identify that from, from the word go? Yeah, I, I actually, I'll admit, I'm really heavy on LinkedIn. Um, I, do, I do a lot of digging on LinkedIn. <laughs> and in fact, you could have a really strong resume, but I'll, I'll still go look you up on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I think that, one of the main things to, to bear in mind is that it's, it's, I've, I've always known this to be true, but I never really realized how true it was until I was on the other side of the table. Um, hiring managers, especially if, you're, if it's a hiring manager at a successful and fast-growing company, look at so many applications. So you really, it's just like sales. You have to figure out how do I break through the noise? How do I stand out from the crowd? Um, and I've seen some really creative ways that that's been done. Um, I've seen I've seen uh, people with um, uh, you know not only customizing their their um, CV and their resume tailored for the role, but then they'll also go find me on LinkedIn, send me a, a connection request, message me saying, "Hey, I've applied for your role. Here's why I think I'm a great fit." The other thing, especially for these SDR roles, because frequently for inbound SDRs, you'll see people that are early in their career. You got to remember it again. It's just like sales. What value are you delivering? When I, when I have someone apply and they just talk about how they, they want to learn and they want to grow their career, and you're just talking about yourself. You haven't said anything about the value you're going to add for our business. And those are the people that, I, that don't even get a phone screen. They don't even hear back. Um, but when I get a message from someone saying, hey, this is, this is why I'm interested in your company and your role. Here's how I think my strengths and experience are going to benefit in this role. And here's why you should hire me. Or at the very least, let's have a conversation. Um, those are the folks that, that, I, that will be hearing from me and I will be given a screen. Uh, too. That's that's really interesting. It, it reminds me a little bit of, um, I think it's John Barrows that quotes Gary Vaynerchuk in saying mm. that marketing is content and sales is context. 
Your LinkedIn profile is that content. Like, mm. when I look at this, anybody should be able to look at it and be like, oh, this is why this person is a strong candidate. Mm-hmm. Your CV and your approach when you're applying for a role is that context. Mm. Here's exactly. where I can add value to you. Yeah. And, I, and I think, you know, we all, we all want people that are humble, teachable, coachable, and moldable. But you're absolutely right. I, I, was, I was speaking to someone in my personal network, not even... Um, kind of work related about their future and they were asking for advice on how they can get into I think they're interested in a career in management consulting mm. but they were thinking of going for more boutique uh, mm. houses rather than some of the big boys and they were like surely I just write an email and be like I really want to learn from you I really want to kind of learn from your business and see what you do I was like the re- replies you're going to get to that email is sure you can come and be an unpaid intern and mm. watch what I do and make me coffee all day mm. Not, okay, let's hire you. Yeah. It's about identifying where there's a problem that you can solve and that's where that research comes in and you can, you can figure out where that value add is. What about kind of when they do come in and when you've, you've found someone that stands out mm. and you bring them into interview, whether that's the phone screen or, or kind of that first stage, what are some of the things that, that you would say to a candidate to really help them wow you at that stage? Yeah, I mean, first things first, do your homework, right? Um, there's nothing more obnoxious than, so there's this acronym EFI, easily found on the internet. <laughs> and um, I, I have heard um, a number of, of other leaders that talk about how they have ended uh, ve- demos with vendors or discovery calls with vendors that open the call by asking a question that's something that's easily found on the internet. Um, so uh, it's, it's it quite, it, dri- it drives me crazy when I get on a screen and, um, they open by saying, "Well, what do you do?" So you're, you're like a you're like a, a tech a tech company. Um, Thirty seconds on a Google yeah. search would would tell you a whole lot and would have done you a lot of good. Um, so that's like first things first, and I think that's so common sense, but so many people seem to overlook that. Mm-hmm. Um, even on a phone screen, um, if if you want something, go get it. Don't just kind of show up half acid and because um, uh, people forget the phone screen. That's the first step. You, you have to get through that to even get the interview. And Absolutely. then there's probably several interviews beyond that. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, breaking through the, the noise and the crowd and making sure that you're demonstrating that intelligence, that hunger, that you're, you're putting in the work up front. Um, beyond that, don't be afraid to admit when you don't know something. Because um, oftentimes it's really easy to see through um, whether someone is pretending to have more sales experience than they do or pretending to understand your space and what it is that you do. Um, because a good salesperson will just ask more questions, right? So as a, and as an interviewer, someone says, oh yeah, I, I understand uh, your, your cloud, your cloud data. Okay, so, so what's your level of familiarity with cloud data warehousing and what it is that we do? Um, very quickly exposes their, their mm-hmm. level of research. And there's nothing wrong with a candidate that answers that question by saying, you know, I have to admit, I'm not very familiar with ETL and cloud data warehousing. Would you mind explaining to me in your own words what it is that you mm-hmm. do? Versus someone that says, yeah, well, you're like, your software for the cloud and you, you know, you work with data. Uh, it's, the, it's the most vague, broad answer. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say on, on that for phone screens and to stand out is internalizing. Really good salespeople internalize their company narrative and put it into their own words. And I think that's far more resonant than just having your marketing buzzword and tagline. Mm-hmm. Um, so similarly, I'm obviously very familiar with our website. I can tell when you're reading the website so when, so when someone says, yeah, you know, Matillion, you know, your data transformation for cloud data warehouses, uh, you work with companies like Home Depot and uh, like, yeah, you, you just, when I asked you what we do, I could hear you click and go to Matillion.com. Um, and that, that's frankly a, a kind of a red flag to me yeah. um, that shows either a lack of preparedness, inability to internalize, mm-hmm. um, or um, just kind of laziness. Yeah, yeah. N- none of which are attractive traits. Absolutely. So. It, it feels like it connects quite, quite a lot to something I've been thinking about recently. It feels like the, to sum up all the advice, it's about being deliberate, mm. right? It's about being deliberate in your preparation, mm. deliberate in the way you create your resume. I want to get this job and I want them to notice me. Deliberate in the way you prepare. I want to give my best effort on understanding what they do. And for the things that I haven't learned yet, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask about them because that's where my knowledge doesn't extend to yet. Yep. And then being deliberate in the way that you operate. And, and I guess 
I've been thinking about a lot in terms of what I've seen in successful SDRs, right? They come into their role and they're deliberate every day. They do the things that they know are going to drive success rather than being reactive. And this, this applies whether you're primarily an inbound rep or an outbound rep. You build your process, you build your structure of your day and you're deliberate, not reactive. I guess I'd be quite interested to understand how you've seen that in your team. You know, you've hired a lot of people. What, what are some of the attributes you've seen that have helped them to be successful beyond getting through that interview process? Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll, my team knows that I'm a really big fan of, of sports analogies and metaphors. And so when I played basketball growing up, you know, and you'll hear a lot of coaches talk about this, when you're shooting free throws, before you shoot the ball, visualize the ball going through the hoop. Mm. Um, you know, quarterbacks are told, hey, like, visualize like making that perfect pass and the touchdown catch. Um, so I'm a really big fan of this concept of manifestation. Make it be. What's, what's the outcome you want? All right, reverse engineer. If that outcome were to occur, what would that look like? What steps mm. would be involved in actually making that happen? Great. There's your game plan. Go do that. Um, so I think that uh, that's, that's something that a lot of people, I, I guess, for whatever reason, is, isn't clear to a lot of folks. Um, mm. t- to me, it's always made sense. Um, another, another tagline that I, I like to use sometimes is players make plays. And um, sometimes you only get one chance to make that play. So you better come correct, do your homework, be prepared. Because um, sometimes you only get one shot. So make it count. Um, it's the same with opportunities in interviewing. Uh, you might, you know, when I, when I was interviewed for Matillion, I'm, uh, in retrospect, it's the best career move I've ever made. I'm so grateful to be a part of this team, but um, I'm, I'm very, very happy that I came correct for that phone call because yeah. um, it would have been a very different outcome. Um, so I think that's, that's something that people, whether early in their careers or even later, um, seem to forget often is that level of preparedness that you need to have uh, coming into these sorts of conversations. So interesting. So interesting. I, um, I spent a bit of time in a kind of street contacting sales role and uh, we received some training where the guy delivering the training had, had just bought a new car and before he, I think it was a Renault Twingo, um, and before he bought one, he'd never heard of them, never seen them, but as soon as he bought it, all he could see everywhere he drove were these Twingos everywhere. And so his advice was, when you wake up in the morning, wake up a minute earlier than you normally would, and for that extra minute, visualize who you want to find that day, who you're going to find when you're walking around the street, who your ideal customer is, so that when you see them that day, you'll go straight to them and you'll be confident that they're the right person. And it's it's amazing how much that kind of determinism works um, in being prepared in the way that you then... And, and for me, it's not some kind of weird ethereal thing that happens. It's the way you then prepare yourself for that. You, you visualize it. You know the way you're going to approach that conversation you know the way you're going to approach those situations. Yeah. And, um, and in those sports situations, you know how you're going to act yeah. when the ball comes to you or when you're in a specific scenario. Yeah, it's, it's like people say, hope for the best, plan for the worst. Visualize that success happening. Uh, you know, when I, when, I, um, when I was on the phones, when I was an SDR, uh, a lot of SDRs would make their dials with this defeatist mindset. They're expecting to no one's even going to pick up. And if they pick up, they're probably going to hang up. And even if they don't hang up, they're just going to say they're not interested. Or maybe I'm just going to leave a voicemail. <laughs> no, like you're, you're setting yourself up for failure with that mindset. you got to come in with this success mindset. I'm going to succeed. And if it's not this time, we'll get them next time. Absolutely. Um, and that applies to more than just the SDR role and function, but to all roles in sales and, and interviewing for jobs. Um, if you come into an interview with that defeatist mindset, you really think you're going to get the job or get called <laughs> back for the next step? Probably not. Um, a lack of confidence is not attractive in personal life or in business. Mm. So. You mentioned kind of getting on the phones as an SDR, so kind of a little bit of a change in tack. I'd love to understand your thoughts on this, right? Everyone understands you've got to have a multi-channel approach. Everybody talks about that, you know, whether it's sales left outreach, whatever you're using, they're designed to help you do that. What do you find helps SDRs remember that the phone still exists and, and somewhere that they should focus on? And, and I guess... You know, two years of working, running an SDR team. How, how have you seen that impact SDR's success in terms of the way they approach the use of the phone? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's an age old thing, right? Hearing your manager say like, "Pick up the phone," I make you money. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's true though, because if you look at 
you know, it's not like the phone is the end-all be-all. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, with, with the way technology is progressing, uh, we're having to become more creative, mm-hmm. right? And how, and how we leverage our outreach and how we leverage using the phone. But it's the fastest way to get the result you want. I'm a really big fan of efficiencies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the path of least resistance? Why would you do anything other than that? Um, so I could, I could send you an email asking, hey, you know, here's my sales pitch hope that you open it, let alone read it, mm-hmm. let alone respond to it. And even if all of that occurs, well, now I have to respond to that next email. Maybe you don't respond to that one. Now we're going back and forth. I could have just called you. We could have had a three-minute conversation. I could have qualified you as a prospect and set up a 20-minute call next week. Instead, you know, we're going back and forth for weeks at a time, and it may never result in anything. Um, but that being said, you don't want to rely solely on one medium um, you know, it's, uh, you know, insanity, the definition of insanity is mm-hmm. doing the same thing over and over and expecting the same result. If I keep calling someone at the same number, the same caller ID, the same time every day, no reason they got to work. You should mix it up, send an email, uh, reply to your email. So it's a rethread. You should try LinkedIn. Um, some people are fans of texting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen that work sometimes. Um, direct mail is kind of making a resurgence mm-hmm. these days. Uh, shoot, go in person. Um, <laughs> Uh, something that we've done occasionally to break into some large enterprises is to um, uh, have, we've had SDRs go out in the field, show up at people's offices and deliver pizzas for their dev team. Uh, that's a great way to get a manager to come down. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's such an interesting concept. I um, went back when I worked at New Voice Media, we, um, we were next door to one of our prospects, but we didn't know that until we'd already sent like a whole bunch of emails, a whole bunch of calls and then one day the rep comes to me, he's like, I've just realized this prospect I've been working on for three months is next door. Can I go over? And I'm like, why has it taken you so long? Like, did you not see their address in Salesforce and yeah. just think, why don't I go and knock on the door? And then, um, you know, took a book round, like wrote a little note mm-hmm. saying, hey, we thought this might be of interest to you. We'd love to have a coffee. It didn't become a customer, but they got a meeting that they wouldn't have had otherwise yep. because the other strategies were not working. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really fascinating. Let's talk a little bit about Matillion, right? Like it's, you mentioned earlier how it's, uh, like as you learned more about the opportunity, it was the business that kind of helped you make that decision. Mm. Why, if I'm an experienced SDR, why should I consider Matillion as a place to, to come and kind of accelerate my career and, and a place to join? Great question. And I, I, uh, I have this conversation frequently with <laughs> candidates. So, um, to answer that, again, going back to uh, kind of a form of a, a metaphor or analogy, whenever I'm evaluating an opportunity, whether that's a, uh, a job, uh, uh, some sort of um, startup or, or venture or an idea, there's four, four core things that I, I think about and want to understand about the opportunity. And so I kind of use an expedition uh, as, as the analogy for this. So first off, what is the course that this expedition is going on? Where, where is this, this ship sailing to? Um, is, this, is this a course I want to be on? Is it dangerous? What's the risk involved? So that's effectively the market. What's mm-hmm. the market like for this sort of opportunity for this, for this company? Next, I want to understand, is the ship sound? Is the ship going to make it to its destination? Or are we just you know, living in a fantasy world and it's not realistic? So, so that's product market fit. Is, mm-hmm. is the ship going to weather the storm and make it to this, this promised land? You're telling me it's all roses. You know, that sounds great, but is, is this realistic? What is the market like and what is the products fit to the market? Because mm-hmm. um, that's going to be obviously a huge determinant in, in the company's success and your success in, in this opportunity. From there... You know, who's steering the ship? Who's leading this expedition? Do I trust them? Do they know what they're doing? Uh, who's, who's, you know, steering this business? What's the leadership team like? What is their pedigree? Where do they come from? Have they done this before? Have they done it successfully before? Um, and then last, um, so growing up in the Bay Area, in the Silicon Valley, I've always had, um, you know, exposure to the tech scene and, and uh, the venture capital world. And so the last thing I want to understand is not only what is your funding like, especially for startups, obviously, mm-hmm. but... Where is the funding coming from? Because that's almost equally important and tells you a lot about the business. So who's funded this expedition? And do they have a track record of success in investing in, in successful expeditions? So returning to Matillion, um, those are the things that I, I, at the time, didn't realize this whole thing that I've laid out for you, but really was what I was doing. 
um, the market. So Matillion, we offer uh, data transformation solutions that are purpose-built for cloud data warehouses. Uh, we offer the only ETL tool that was purpose-built from the ground up for cloud data warehouses. Um, data volumes and complexity are only growing these days and really at an exponential rate, the only place that's logical and, and sensible to be moving data and performing uh, analytics for, for businesses these days is in the cloud. Uh, legacy uh, ETL tools do not have the, um, I, guess you, I guess the way to put it is that the, their, their architecture inherently prevents one from realizing the full benefits of the cloud. So to, to migrate from a data warehouse that's on-prem or a database into a cloud data warehouse, but to continue using a legacy on-premises ETL solution is really like taking two steps forward and one step back. Um, it doesn't make sense. Why, why would you do that? Um, and so when I was evaluating Matillion, you know, that's the market, right? Uh, ETL tools purpose-built for cloud data warehouses. Well, the cloud data warehousing market is exploding. Our mm -hmm. ETL tool is purpose-built for Amazon Redshift, Snowflake, and Google BigQuery, the three largest and fastest growing cloud data warehouses in the world. The market is there. You hear, you hear about the term data is the new oil. Mm -hmm. right? The market is exploding. Uh, something that I think is, is interesting, too, is that the, uh, uh, I guess you would say, the adoption of cloud data warehousing is only continuing to grow. We as a business have probably tapped several percent of our total addressable <laughs> market. So from a greenfield growth perspective, the yeah. opportunity is tremendous, not to mention 60 to 70% of data warehouse workloads are still run on-prem. Oh, wow. So in the coming years, as those... Uh, as the, the hardware supporting those infra that infrastructure and that workload comes up for refresh, more and more businesses are going to migrate to the cloud. So we already have a tremendous market that's only growing. Some of our customers are reporting 100% uh, data volume growth month over month. So tremendous data volume growth. So the, mar the market opportunity is fantastic. Product market fit, as I mentioned, Matillion is the only data transformation tool that is purpose-built for the cloud. Uh, we offer a solution that is as easy to use and efficient as these, these SaaS-based data pipelines, but we also have the feature set and complexity of these enterprise legacy ETL platforms. As a result, um, the product market fit is fantastic. We start billing at $1.37 an hour, so budget rarely comes up. Um, incredibly easy to use. Uh, you can have a production environment live in a matter of minutes, uh, so the product market fit is is, is tremendous. The uh, leadership team here, um, I did my homework before I came out for my interview here, here in uh, actually just in a room over there here in, in the Manchester office. Um, leadership team comes from companies like AWS, IBM, Oracle, Starbucks, SD Lauder, some, some very recognizable brands, Absolutely. right? Um, clearly, these, these, this team has, has the pedigree and the chops for leading this business. And as I got to meet them during my interview process, I could tell these, these are intelligent folks that know what they're doing, understand the market, and I think most importantly, live our values and are really focused and almost like obsessed with our culture mm -hmm. here, um, which, which makes it a, a really great place to work, honestly. Um, we, we all live our values as, as, a, as a team. And then last, uh, and this was what closed me on Matillion, was the, the, the funding and where it came from. So when Matillion approached me in uh, May of 18, they had just closed their Series B funding for 20 million in April. And the first thing they wanted to do was to take that funding and to launch this global sales development program. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I, I wanted to follow the money, so I did. Turns out that Series B was led by Scale and Sapphire Venture Partners, two blue chip VCs from the Bay Area who were early round seed investors in several now household names um, in, in the tech space. Um, uh, from there, when I realized that, I thought to myself, okay, right, the market opportunity is tremendous. Product market fit is fantastic. Leadership team knows what they're doing and are people that I could actually see myself wanting to work for. And the company is sound financially and is receiving funding from, company, from VCs that have done this before and have a track record of success. Clearly, there's something going on here. Absolutely. I want to be a part of this. Absolutely. That's, that's really incredible. And I, I think, again, it comes back to that being deliberate in the way you apply. Like if someone was to come to you I guess for any role at Matillion, right? It, it doesn't even have to be an SDR and comes with that kind of thought process. That's the kind of thing that stands out from a candidate. <laughs> You've really thought through why this business is a place you want to work. Yeah. When I, when I came in for my interview, I printed out probably 20 pages, laminated them, put it into a binder, um, 
I mean, I I was offered the job verbally within about an hour of the yeah. interview, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I recognized the opportunity that was in front of me, both on a personal level and just as a, as a business, mm-hmm. where Matillion was going to go. And uh, sure enough, I mean, I was I was employee number two in Denver in May of eighteen. We now have several offices and are about fifty employees there. Wow, uh, with two hundred employees worldwide. Uh, we've come a long way since then. Yeah, and and I think these these are the kind of journeys that really make your career. Um, like this, uh, this is the kind of business that if you join, you're going to have a story to tell wherever you go next. Yeah. And and kind of whatever you want to do next. Yeah. Right. I I don't know. Kind of your thought process is when you joined. Did you see yourself doing what you're doing today? Maybe, maybe not. Right. But. The point is, is that the opportunity is there for that personal growth and that development and those opportunities will open up for you. Yeah. And what what really excites me, seeing people join a business like Matillion, are what that opens up for them for the rest of their career, right? Mm-hmm. You, you talk about people that have done this before in leadership positions. People that work for companies like Matillion end up being founders of businesses mm-hmm. where people join them because those leaders have done it before. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, whatever stage you're at in your career, this is the kind of business that you want to join, to be a part of that journey and to be a part of that, that experience. Yeah, I can, I can say wholeheartedly, and I, I tell candidates this all the time, um, joining Matillion was the best decision I've made on a professional level, hands down. Um, and uh, regularly have candidates in these, in these conversations um, express to me, you know, I, I can just hear it in your voice, um, your, your level of passion and enthusiasm. And I think that's, that's hugely important as a salesperson, right? Mm. I've, I've been very fortunate to work for some great companies, good culture, great products, great position in the market. I've also worked for some companies that, um, you know, I, I don't feel have the same product market fit. And as a result, that shows through in your tone, in the way that you carry yourself as a salesperson. When you truly not only believe, but when you know that you represent a great company that has a fantastic product that's actually positively affecting businesses and people's lives, as Matthew, our, our, uh, Matthew Scullion, our, our co-founder and CEO, likes to say, we're on a mission to make a dent in the universe bigger than ourselves, right? And we want to do it in the right way. Mm. Um, that empowers you as a salesperson to speak with that conviction, with that confidence, and to challenge prospects. Um, I have no issue talking about our SDRs or ISRs, say to prospects, John, I think you would be remiss if you're using or evaluating a cloud data warehouse and you have not taken a look at Battalion. I seriously think you'd be making a mistake. And people, prospects can hear that. You're not just reading off a piece of, a line on a call script. You're saying that with conviction and real belief. Um, And that, that uh, speaks volumes to to the product and the company. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. I remember um, sitting in assessment days as a fresh graduate and hearing questions like you know what what do you need to be a successful salesperson and people answering things like you need to believe in your product you know you don't want to sell something where you feel like you're lying and always being a bit like yeah but do you <laughs> like how am I going to find a tech company to work for where I'm like yeah this really changes lives but no matter how cheesy that sounds the reality of it is is that there are tech companies that do that and I don't think many people grow up thinking I want to work in a tech company that's focused on cloud data warehouses. Mm. But the reality is, is once you learn what that industry is like and, and the, the opportunity in there, it becomes something that you believe in. Yeah. And that is where that conviction and that powerful kind of sales approach comes from. Because yeah. you're not trying to sell something for the sake of it or because it's your job or because it's what you get paid to do, but you're doing it because you genuinely understand how much it can make a difference for a business. Yeah. Um, and that comes with understanding and you can't get there without being deliberate about taking responsibility for your own yeah. kind of learning and being a sponge to all the things that are given to you around you. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I, um, as mentioned, growing up in the, in the Bay area and the Silicon Valley, I've always been kind of like a closet nerd. My, my friends know that to be true <laughs> about me, but a lot of, a lot of people don't. Um, and, uh, so I've always taken a real strong interest in technology and how it affects our lives, whether that's, um, you know, consumer electronics, whether that's, uh, business to business technologies, um, I mean, it's it's crazy. We're we're seeing these days some of the the you know people hear all the time about AI and machine mm. learning, uh, cloud, um, SaaS, right? Um, these were these were all just concepts years back, and now they're they're having a real impact on our lives and the way that the world operates today. <laughs> um, and so I I really do think it's interesting and it's cool to 
to see the impact that our solution is having on on businesses and on people's lives. Um, and we work with healthcare companies where you know Matillion is helping to to change the healthcare landscape and to help um, uh, you know you know in in a, a pretty literal sense you know save lives right. Yeah. Uh, Matillion is being used by um, you know various media companies right. Um, I mean all 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 sorts of of companies and businesses, but it's. I mean, frankly, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so when you take a vested interest in, in the tech space and then you start paying attention and, and kind of connecting the dots and realizing how these aren't just like logos or companies or stock tickers. These are businesses that are actually impacting the world and, and our lives. Um, suddenly it just becomes a lot more interesting and you kind of lean in a little bit more. Um, Absolutely. So. Absolutely. A um, couple more things I'd love to kind of interrogate you on and, and dive into. So sure. you, you talked a little bit about values. And I guess my, my question around values is, I'd love to understand what, what Matillion's values are, right? The things that, that you stand for as a business and the things that kind of you look for in people from their belief system. But I guess the, the wider question is around how you should think about those things if you are thinking about your career and how you should develop your own personal values and look for companies that match them, mm. if that makes sense. You know, I think it's something that I definitely hadn't thought about early in my career and, and speak to a lot of people today that don't think about that in terms of what are the things that I believe business should be done like? What are the things about a, a culture of a business that matter to me? And then how do I find somewhere that, that matches those things? Yeah, um, great question. So... Our values, right? We have six core values as a business. Um, my, my, the first and my personal favorite, we're confident without arrogance. Um, that's, that's my favorite because I, I like the fact from a sales perspective that we can profess with a degree of validity to have a multi-year technology lead on our competitors, but we don't need to down talk our competition, right? You know, we're, we're um, professional and, you know, um, classy about it, right? Um, we let the, the results and the product speak for itself. We don't need to, to down talk the competition. Um, we work with integrity, we're customer obsessed, uh, we innovate and demand quality, we have a bias for action, and we care about our people and our communities. Um, as I mentioned, the confidence of that arrogance is my favorite. I think bias for action is my, my close second. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, va- the values piece in your career is really important because if you don't work with and for a business whose values align with your own, you're going to find that it's going to be difficult to maintain longevity at that, at that business um, because values are, are taught and lived from the top down. And you'll find that if, if the leadership team does not live their values or if the company's values don't, don't align with your own, it's just not going to feel like a natural fit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I live over an hour away from our office in Denver. I commute an hour each way. And um, I can honestly say I look forward to coming into work every day. And um, I have not been able to say that for, for um, some of the jobs I've had, right? So, um, and that, that gives you then that excitement. And again, that conviction, right? It all, it's all part of the same package. Um, so I, I hope that answers your question. Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think it all, it all comes back to, to the way that people think about their careers and being intentional. Mm. Um, you know, one of the things that I look for, even in SDR candidates that don't have SDR experience, is that they've had some sort of work experience, whether it's that they've worked in retail or part time in an office or whatever that is, mm-hmm. because having seen a business in operation, whether it's relevant or not, helps to frame those values, whether you've seen it right or wrong. Like seeing a business not run the right way helps you frame how you should run a business. Mm-hmm. Seeing a business that gives you a lot of things that you like helps you know what you want to find again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people, and I guess it, it comes back to, to some of those natural curiosities that you want SDRs to have, that when people observe things, they take from it and they learn from it. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think that's, there's some great value in the things that you shared today, Evan. And I guess just for the benefit of the listeners, I'd love to kind of wrap up with a, a bit, bit about you personally. Like, what do you do in your spare time? What do you do to, to let off steam and to, to switch off? And what do you do for fun? Yeah, um, I mean, snowboarding is for sure my biggest passion. Um, I ride as often as I, as I can. 
uh, am actually going to be uh, flying to Switzerland uh, this weekend Very and, nice. and spending a week riding in the French and Swiss Alps. Um, uh, so snowboarding is for sure, for sure my biggest passion. Um, mentioned that I used to work in the music industry and mm-hmm. music is still a big passion of mine. Actually, just this past weekend, I went to a music festival in London, um, just went on my own, had a blast. Awesome. Um, uh, and then last, I mean, I'm kind of a foodie. Um, all my friends that know oh, me, nice. I'm a big, big foodie. Um, so, uh, love trying new foods, uh, love just like a night in, uh, and enjoying, enjoying a good meal at home. Um, and then, I mean, if anything, some advice I might have for, for people, um, you got to have that work-life balance. Mm. Uh, when I was early in my career, I had none of that. Um, I was just always on. I mean, if I got an email from someone in Japan uh, at <laughs> 2 in the morning, I'd, I'd be responding to the email. And while, sure, it probably helped to accelerate my career, um, it was not healthy. It was not yep. sustainable. So now I'm, I'm very diligent. Um, when I arrive at home at the end of the workday, I put my, my work phone on Do Not Disturb, and I put it face down. I don't check it till the morning. Uh, do the same on the weekends. So um, uh, that's something that I, I would I would highly recommend uh, to to anyone, whether they're early or late in their career. You got to maintain that work life balance and find something that rejuvenates you outside of work and on the weekends, and and to to be able to turn off outside mm. of work. Awesome, thank you. So, how can people get in touch with you? I guess if they want to kind of learn from you or or join your network, or if they're interested in in a role at Matillion, how, what would be the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, um, probably the best way would be LinkedIn. I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So um, if you look me up, Evan Carlton at Matillion, uh, my, my LinkedIn handle is the Evan Carlton. Um, yeah, feel free to shoot me a message. Uh, always happy to respond. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. And to all the people that are listening, have a great week and a great day. That was a bit of a longer episode than we've had recently. So hope you found a ton of value in there. Um, thank you very much, Evan, for coming on the podcast. Really great to, to spend that time with you. If you're interested in, in discussing your experience as an SDR or in the tech sales world, we'd love to have you on the podcast and, and very open to having those types of conversations. You can get in touch with me at john.richardson at exp-recruitment.com or hit us up on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, whatever floats your boat. Thanks for your time and have a great week. Are you a CEO or sales leader with little or no time to coach your sales development team? Or is your expertise in areas other than sales? At eXp, we exist to help your sales development team to increase pipeline and grow your company exponentially. We dive into the trenches with sales individuals within your organization to coach them through the discomfort and excitement of cold calls and help them fully utilize the sales technology tools you have invested in. For more information on how EXP can help grow your organization, visit the website found in the bio. Exceptional coaching enables exceptional potential.